Now, if you wish to um, see the verse which I'm going to speak from this morning, uh, you'll find it in, uh, in, your, in the Bible, which you have in front of you, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. And uh, is this, if you wish to follow, it's on page 1150, 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Just read that again. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift well let's come to God in prayer now let's pray Lord God thank you for this opportunity to think about the coming of Jesus into the world and Lord I do pray that you'd help me to be able to bring out from your word the the true and accurate meaning and Lord I do pray that you'd also speak to us all by the Holy Spirit and Lord please would you be at work in each one of us to move us to believe your word and to accept your word not to resist it that we might come to you and experience your salvation we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, in, these, in, in our regular Sunday services, uh, Sunday morning services, over the last few couple of months, we have been going through these chapters, Second um, uh, Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, where the Apostle Paul is encouraging the believers in Corinth to contribute to a collection that he was getting together for the believers in Jerusalem. Now it just so happened, <laughs> it wasn't planned, but it just so happened that we got last week to the end of verse 14 and we, can't, we came to verse 15. So it seemed to me obvious that rather than finding somewhere else in the Bible to speak from this morning uh, at the carol service, it seemed to me that it'd be good to actually pick up this verse, the next verse where we come to, because this verse is so applicable and so relevant to a carol service where we're thinking about God having uh, sent his son into the world. Because when it says there, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift, well, what is the gift that's being talked about there? Who or what is that gift? Well, of course, the answer is, Jesus. Jesus is God's gift to mankind. Jesus is that inexpressible gift, this amazing and wonderful gift. Now, what I'm going to try to do this morning is I'm going to try the impossible. <laughs> because how can you talk about properly something which is 
inexpressible. Something that is inexpressible something is something that's beyond words. It's beyond expression. It's, it's too good to be able to describe. And so I've got the cheek to try to describe something which cannot be described. Well, all I can do is just give a bit of a sketch, a bit of a bare outline. I know all that I say will be very inadequate and cannot possibly speak properly of the wonder and amazement of what God has done in sending and giving his son to the world. But I'm going to try to sketch out for you. And I hope that, that, that as I do so, it will be a, a blessing uh, to us. I'm hoping and praying that anybody who is not yet a believer, as I, as I speak about this wonderful gift that God has given to the world, the gift of his son, I'm hoping and praying that if anybody has not yet believed in Jesus, that person will say, wow, Jesus is so wonderful. And what he provides is so wonderful, so amazing. I want to believe in him. I want him to be my saviour. I want him to be my Lord. I'm hoping and praying that God will make Jesus attractive to you. And you'll want to come to him. You'll be drawn to him. And it's also my prayer that if there's anybody here who is already a believer, that person will be encouraged and will love the Lord better. And also my prayer, maybe there might be somebody here who might be a backslider. Perhaps you're a Christian. Perhaps many years ago you trusted in Jesus. But you've wandered from him. Could it be? My prayer is that, that if there's any backslider here, the Lord will move you to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I've been so stupid to, to, to have resisted you, so stupid to have, have had all these bad thoughts about you. Forgive me. Lord, I want to love you and I want to serve you. Now, as I try then to do the impossible today, I want to do so under three headings. There are three ways, it seems to me, amongst all the many ways it could be said, but three ways in which the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ is amazing, is wonderful. First of all, because of who that gift is. Secondly, because of the cost of him being given. And then thirdly, because of the benefits which come to people through him. So let's think about this then. First of all then, the value and importance of the one who was given. The one whom God gave to this world is none other than the eternal Son of God who is himself fully divine and worthy of worship just as much as God the Father is. That verse that I started off the service with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
Now, uh, throughout the Old Testament, God had been promising that he was going to spend, going, going, to, going to send somebody really special, an amazing king, somebody the like of whom has never been seen before and is utterly unique in this world. And uh, we read earlier in our service uh, the description of him. Uh, For unto us a child is born. This is from Isaiah 9. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this special king who is going to come, he would be a human being. He would be born as a child. But he would also have the name of being mighty God. God and man. Did you know the Old Testament teaches that the Messiah is God? There, is, there it is. It's for you, isn't it? Right there. And then when the time came for Jesus to come into this world, the Son of God to come into this world, uh, we read... Uh, Earlier, how, uh, uh, how, how uh, no, actually, we didn't read this. This, was, this is another passage which we didn't read. But in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, we read about how the angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to bear a son. Luke, chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel said to Mary... The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be called, to be born, will be called holy, the Son of God. The Son of God. Now, it's so important for us to understand that Jesus is the only human being who had a pre-existent life. For all the rest of us, our existence started with our conception. But Jesus is the eternal Son of God, become a human being. He existed before the world was ever made. We know that from what John says in his, in his gospel, chapter 1, in verse 3, he says, verses 1 to 3, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So that's an echo, isn't it, of Genesis chapter 1. Many of you will know the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And
And so by saying in the beginning was the word, he's saying Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, he was with God the Father right at the beginning. And uh, it says uh, that this word, later on it says, the word became flesh and lived for a while among us, thereby showing that that word is Jesus. So Jesus was with God the Father at the creation of the world. Not only so, but that verse goes on to say, and the word was God. So Jesus, the eternal Son of God, is the one through whom the world was made, and he is himself God. Jesus made the trees from which the manger that he was laid in was made. Jesus had made the air that he was breathing. Jesus, the eternal son of God, made Adam and Eve from whom were descended from whom was descended his human mother Mary. And then at the age of 30 Jesus went to John the Baptist to be baptized and and as he was baptized God spoke from heaven this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased and then he started his public ministry and he spoke during that public ministry in a way that only god could speak he he lay, literally laid down the law for people, told people what they should do. Only God can do that. He forgave people's sins. Only God can do that. He told people that he was going to be the one who would judge the world. But only God can do that. He said that he's the one who gives spiritual rest to those who come to him. But only God can do that. And then he backed up his claims to be God by doing great miracles that only God can do. He commanded the demons to leave and they left. He made the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He made the lame to walk. He created food. He walked on the water. He raised the dead. Now while this was all going on, he said to his disciples... Who do people say I am? They said, oh, well, some say you're a prophet, and others say you're another prophet. And he said, who do you? What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter said to him, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for the flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then he was cruelly arrested and unjustly tried and crucified. And as he was hanging on that tree and after he died, the centurion said, 
surely this man was the son of God. And then he was raised from the dead. And the father by raising him from the dead was proving and showing that he really is the son of God. Peter, Thomas said to him when he saw him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, you see, because you've not believed, but you, you, because you see you've believed, blessed rather are those who uh, have not seen and yet have believed. Thereby Jesus showing that Thomas was right to call him God. So there's the first thing to see then. This one, this gift of God to the world is none other than the eternal Son of God who is rightly worshipped and trusted in and obeyed. Now, secondly, the one who was given was given at great cost. Remember our, our, our verses, thanks be to God for this inexpressible gift. There was a great price to Jesus becoming a human being. Just think what a, a price Jesus, the Son of God himself, paid by becoming a human being. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 tells us that though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, not something to be clung onto, but he emptied himself. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The eternal Son of God took on human flesh. He became one of us. Now, we cannot begin to conceive of what that meant. It, it must... It just... Try to imagine what it must have been for Jesus, who, for the Son of God, who had been living ever since eternity past in unspeakable happiness and comfort and pleasure in heaven, with all the angels worshipping him, every conceivable pleasure there at the right hand of God in fellowship with his Father. And he gave all of that up. And reduced himself down to a little cell inside his mother's womb. And then allowed himself to be born into a cold and drafty stable and to be placed in a feeding trough. What a sacrifice. What, a, what love that he would be prepared to do that. And then, just imagine what it must be like for him, the son of God, growing up in a human family, with, with human parents, and being told by his human parents, do this, don't do that. 
And he must, they must have made mistakes sometimes. They must have got things wrong. He must have been tempted sometimes to say to them, don't you know who I am? But no, he humbly lived as a child, grew up as a child. He learned the tools of the trade as a carpenter. And then he started his earthly ministry and from very, very early on in his, in his public ministry, people were hating him, people were despising him, people were mocking him, people were wanting to kill him. But what had he done? Well, he'd, he'd healed them. He'd fed them. He'd done them good. He'd taught them. But they just repaid him by despising him. Just think how painful and, and, and awful that must have been to be so full of love and yet to get back from people all the time only hatred. And then he went to the cross. And as he hung on that cross, he not only endured the physical pain, which would have been absolutely horrendous, but he endured the awful spiritual and psychological agony of feeling upon himself the wrath of God poured out upon him. All the anger of God which should have come to those who is going to save for all of their sins, it was poured out and focused Upon Jesus as he hung on that cross. What pains he must have endured. We cannot even begin to conceive. He went through hell. But hell magnified a million times because it's, or billions of times because it's hell of, a, of, of hundreds of hundreds of millions of people. On that cross. How terrible it must have been. And so he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not a cry of despair, but a cry describing the pain and agony of being separated from his father. And this must have caused pain to the father as well. Now, I, I know I'm treading in difficult territory here, theologically, because how can God feel pain, people argue? How can, how can anybody hurt God? God is the all-sufficient God. No one can inflict anything on God, because if they could, he wouldn't be God. Well, I think the way to understand it is, is nobody can inflict pain on God, but God can allow himself to be pained. That's the way I understand it, in my faltering way. How else do we understand? God so loved the world that he gave. How can you give if, if that hasn't cost you something? Paul says in Romans 8, verse 32, God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. 
Did that not cost God something? Did that not hurt God? To see his son being despised and rejected, to see his son agonizing on the cross, his beloved son. John writes, doesn't he, in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 9, in this the love of God was manifest among us, that he sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the one who turns away wrath for our sins. This is the greatest love of all, the greatest sacrifice that anybody could make. That the Father gave his beloved Son to come into this world and to die on the cross in the place of sinners. So here's the second thing then. The gift of Christ was given at great cost to the Son and to the Father. And then thirdly, This is an unspeakable gift. This is an amazing gift because of the great blessings which are unleashed upon this world through this gift for all who believe. Now, I can only just very quickly sketch for you some of the blessings that there are. I mean, each one, each blessing that I've mentioned here could have a host of sermons about. But let me just very, very quickly just sketch for you some of the blessings which have come through this precious gift, the Son of God, who was given at such great price. First of all, salvation from the guilt of sin. Remember what the, what the uh, angel said to Joseph? Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary home as your wife. For that which is conceived of her is born of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus is the saviour, the rescuer. You see the problem is that we are all guilty. You and I, we have all broken God's laws. Thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Every day that we, we live, we're breaking God's laws more and more and more. Not, we've not loved God as we should have loved God. We've not loved others as we should have loved others. And so we all deserve to be condemned. We all deserve to go to hell. And we cannot save ourselves from that condemnation that we deserve. No matter how good we try to live our lives, we can never make up for all the sins that we've committed. And so we deserve to be condemned and we can't rescue ourselves. But God sent his son into the world to save those who believe. To take away that guilt because as he hung on that cross, the guilt was laid on him. For all those who believe. Salvation from the guilt of sin. Deliverance from the power of sin. See our problem is not only that we are guilty. 
We're also slaves. Slaves of sin. We cannot stop ourselves from sinning. But by his death and resurrection, Jesus enabled the Holy Spirit to be poured out. And through the Holy Spirit, we can be born again. Through the Holy Spirit, we can have new hearts. And we can start to obey God, start to love God from the heart. And through the Holy Spirit, we start to experience God's love, God's joy, God's peace, God's patience, God's kindness, God's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit starts to grow in us. Not only so, but through Jesus Christ, we can become the children of God. John writes in, his, in the first chapter of his gospel, verses 11 to 13, Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. You and I, if you trust in Jesus, you are able to call God your Father. You can be adopted into his family. You can know that you are a son of God, a daughter of God, that Jesus is your older brother. Not only so, but through Jesus Christ, we who believe are brought into the family of the church. If you're a child of God, and I'm a child of God, we are brothers and sisters together. And we have the great privilege of being in this family of God that's connected, that's organized by God into local fellowships where we work out together what it means to be brothers and sisters together and to build each other up and help each other in our Christian lives. And we also, through Jesus Christ, have the knowledge of the love of God. We who believe belong to him and we are loved with his everlasting love. Nothing can separate us from that love. And also we who believe have the hope of glory. When Jesus comes again, uh, our bodies will be raised from the dead. Be, we will have glorious new bodies which will be completely free from all pain and suffering. And those who believe will live in the new world that God will bring into being. So here is this amazing gift that God has given. This wonderful gift. The gift of the only begotten Son of God. Gift which was given at great price. He gave up the glory of heaven and he took on flesh and then died on the cross in the place of sinners. And a gift that brings tremendous blessings to all who will receive Christ. 
Do you already rejoice? Do you already believe in Jesus as your Savior? In that case, rejoice. Be glad. You, you are so blessed. You are so fortunate to have been given this wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that is in him. Serve the Lord with gladness. Have you been backsliding? Have you been wandering away? Stop your foolish backsliding. Come back to him. He's a wonderful saviour. Put your trust in him and serve him and tell others of this great good news. Or could it be said of you that at this point in time you've not yet trusted in Jesus as your saviour? If that's the case, I urge you, trust in him today. Stop your doubting and believe. Stop your foolish rebellion against God and start to serve him. Why hold back? You say, well, I don't want to give up my old life. Well, what good will your present life do you? How long will the pleasures of sin last you? And then what will happen to you? You'll be in hell. You say, well, I'm, I'm worried about what people will say about me. Well, what does their opinion matter? What matters is what God thinks of you. Those people, they'll be gone one day, very soon. God is the one you need to be right with. So whoever you are, whatever your situation, come to him. Trust in him. Let him be your saviour. Make him your Lord. And trust him to give you eternal life. Well, may God write his word upon our hearts. We'll have a few moments just now to, to pray before we sing our final hymn. So I'd just like to encourage you, wherever you are, to seek the Lord. Uh, perhaps, perhaps to ask him to save you. Perhaps to ask him to forgive you and restore you or just to say thank you to him for being your saviour let's have a few moments of prayer now